all time, so I have to pick back. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, we're turning back to the book of Luke, chapter 23. Uh, last week, as I was reading in preparation of preaching about the thief on the cross, I read these verses, and I feel like the Lord wants me to go back and read them again and look at this from a different angle. In Luke chapter 23, I want to begin reading in verse 32. All right, if you have your Bibles, Luke 23, verse 32, stand to your feet for us this morning. We reverence the reading of the Word of God. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Stop reading right there. Verse 34 is of interest, I believe, today uh, from the Lord. Father, forgive them, Jesus said, for they know not what they do. We know on the cross, Jesus made seven statements. Most of them were short statements, maybe gather a breath between them and a, another phrase put with it, made seven statements. This is the first of which, very important. So this morning, we linger around Calvary. One more Sunday morning, amen. Thank God for Calvary today. Father, would you help us to preach the word of God today in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit and with this we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. Three things today and we'll be done. Number one, when I look at this text, I'm reminded of the word consolation. It is a word that is meaning that God is a God of comfort. God is a God of consolation. God is a God of encouragement. Preacher Darren how can these words be uh, something of consolation or encouragement? Well, remember that Jesus has been scourged. He's been mocked. He's been ridiculed. He's been beaten. He's been nailed to the cross. And they're wagging their heads at him. And, and at that moment at Calvary, we see men at their worst. We see wicked men crucifying an innocent man. We see sinful men crucifying a holy man. We see creation crucifying their creator. We see man at his worst. But good news, when man is at his worst, God is at his best. Notice with me, Jesus said, Father, forgive them when they crucified him. Forgive them when they scourged him. Forgive them when they plucked his beard and spit in his face. He did not say condemn them. He did not say judge them. He did not say, Father, make them pay. He did not say, Father, rebuke them. No, no. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And that gives me hope. And that gives me encouragement. And it gives me comfort. And it gives me consolation. Notice with me, he did not say, Father, forgive some. He said, Father, forgive them. All of them. All have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God. Not just one or two or a certain few. He said, they know not what they do. You know this morning your sin affects you more than you think it does and your sin affects others around you. You may say, Preacher Darren, I beg to differ. If you go to a lake and you drop in that water a stone, bloop, that may represent your sin and it affects just you. There is a ripple effect that affects everyone else on that lake and around that lake. Your sin will affect your family. And when you sin, you need to understand it reaches as high as heaven. And your sin, amen, never stops with just you. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus loves sinners. And that everything he did was to pray and to give his life for us sinners. I see consolation, number one. Number two, I see confirmation. You know, on that cross, Jesus has is practicing what he preached. You know what he preached? He said, love your enemies. I got one amen in the whole house. He said, pray for them which despitefully use you. You say, oh yes, bless God, I'll pray for them. God, kill them. God, beat them half to death. That's why I pray for them. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus loved his enemies and he prayed for those that had despitefully used him. Amen. He's praying for those of us that are in need of salvation. He's praying for those that are responsible for his crucified. Oh, preacher there, I'm not responsible for his crucified. Who's he dying for then? He's dying for you. And he's dying for me. Amen. And upon that cross, he practiced what he preached. I'm going to ask you this morning, how many of you got a prayer list? How many of you prayed for somebody on your prayer list this morning? How many of you prayed for your enemy? We're not doing what he said, are we? Number three, and I'll be done. Consideration upon the cross. This is the first statement Jesus made while on the cross. And I want to say that the first statement is the most important statement. Now, we would go to visit people my, when I was growing up at home and my mom was in the car and she'd say, now I'm going to tell you boys right now, first thing, don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. Which one's the first thing? I mean, it's just a, don't touch this, don't open, don't look through things, don't open cabinets, don't, don't just make, they say make yourself at home, but they don't really mean it. That was the most important thing. And I found out real quick, if I didn't follow that most important thing, that I better follow it next time. Talked about the girls here singing to me to go play basketball for me. You realize that I always look at our teams when we get ready to play basketball. And I say, okay, first thing, have fun. First thing, the most important thing is the first thing. So Jesus' statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do is something for our consideration. It's important. It's one of the most important things that are being said. It addresses three areas of our life. First of all, he addressed man's greatest necessity. What is it you need this morning? I ask my homeroom students, I say, hey, what can I do for you today? We pray. And I say, what can I do for you? What can I do to make your day easier? A lot of times they say, let me go now. 
I can't do that, but what can I do to make your day easier? You're having trouble with your locker. You're having trouble with a friend. You're having trouble with your teacher. Tell me what I can do to, to help your day. So what did Jesus do? What is the most needful thing to you? Right now you'll say, I have a bill that needs to be paid. He didn't come to pay your bills. Well, preacher, Dan, I really need a raise. If I got a raise at work, it'd be the most important thing. He didn't come that you might get a raise on your job. Oh, preacher, Dan, the most important thing to me is that my health would be good. While health is important, that's not the most important thing. Did you know that in Mark chapter 2, Jesus was teaching in someone's house, and the house was full, and they couldn't get in the windows, and they couldn't get in the doors because there were so many people there. They took the roof off the place, and they lowered a man down on a couch or a bed who was sick of the palsy. His hands and his, his legs were crippled. He couldn't get there himself, and his four friends lowered him down to Jesus. You know what Jesus said to that young man? Sons, or, or, or son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He didn't say be healed of the palsy. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The most important thing for that young man and the most important thing, the most needful thing for you and me is to have our sins forgiven. Because one day, you will stand before God. And the only thing that's going to matter is, what did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him? Did you reject him? Well, now, wait a minute, preacher. It's just not, it's just not receive or reject. It is, I've learned about him. I know who he is in my mind. I, I have an idea or a concept. I go to church. No! It's not about going to church and having a concept of who Jesus is. It's about receiving him or rejecting him. It is one or the other today. Now, when you ask God to forgive you, He'll forgive you. When you ask Him to save you because you're a sinner and need to be saved and you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried and rose again, He'll save your soul. I thought about those people standing around the cross. There are people around the cross that are filled with sorrow. Mary, His mother, looking up, seeing her son being crucified. Can you just imagine to see your son wounded, bleeding, and dying? She was filled with sorrow. John, his beloved disciple, saw his master and his Lord being crucified and it broke his heart. There are people around the cross filled with sorrow that crucifixion day. But Jesus did not say, Father, comfort them. He said, Father, forgive them. Mary needed forgiveness. John needed forgiveness. So did you and I. Around that cross that day, there's people that are suffering. There's thieves on either side of Jesus' cross that they are suffering. And they've railed on Jesus initially. These men are being crucified for their sins. And Jesus did not say, Father, heal them. No, no. He said, Father, forgive them. They needed forgiveness more than healing. You need forgiveness more than healing as well. Around that cross that day, there were people filled with not just sorrow and not just suffering, but people filled with savagery, violence. They beat him. They bludgeoned him. They have violent issues. 
Jesus did not say, Father, counsel them, straighten them out. He said, forgive them. They need forgiveness more than they need counseling. There are people around that day at the cross filled with sarcasm. If thou be the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself. I'm telling you, they, they, they spit on him and ridiculed him and they mocked him. They wagged their heads. Their heads, they taunted him. But Jesus did not say, Father, enlighten them. Show them the truth. No. He said, Father, forgive them. More than anything else in this world, you and I need forgiveness. We need to get right with God. He did not say, Father, feed them. He did not say, Father, free them. He did not say, Father, feel for them. He did not say, Father, finance them. He said, Father, forgive them. Your greatest need is why Jesus went to that cross. And the first thing he said, address your greatest need. Father, forgive them. Not only did he address your greatest need, but he addressed your greatest ministry. Oh, preacher, I'm not in the ministry. Are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you saved? Some of y'all is only half saved. I'm talking about, are you saved? Then you're called into the ministry, and your ministry is to pray. Your greatest ministry is to pray. You know what Jesus did on the cross? The first thing he did was to pray. You need to be involved in the ministry of prayer. Three things. He exhorts us to pray. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. I like it. I'm going to say it again. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus said watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. How many of y'all know prayer is an unbounded ministry? My prayers can go where I cannot go. My dad was taken off to surgery. I was praying for him, but I could not go with him. My prayers can accomplish what I cannot accomplish. I cannot bring healing to him. I cannot bring salvation to you. But I can pray that God gives healing. And I can pray that God will grant salvation unto you. My prayers can reach what I cannot reach. Did you know this morning I love to preach the word of God. I, 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 in years gone by, I preached and preached and preached. But I've learned I cannot preach to everyone. But I can pray for everyone. Ministry for me has been very busy lately. I can't visit everyone. But I can pray for everyone. Pray without ceasing. One time we were driving down the road and Luke was probably about four or five and Shelby was 11 or 12 years of age and we were down at the foot of Cox's Creek coming through those curves there and my car just quit. It just cut off and coasted to a stop in a curve. Shelby went, oh no, oh no, what are we going to do? And Luke, the four or five year old, put his hand on his sister and said, Shelby, calm down. It's going to be all right. Dad can fix everything. Isn't that right, Dad? Oh no, what are we going to do? I cannot fix 
everything. But I can pray to someone who can fix everything. You see, my limitations, I'm learning this, my limitations do not limit him. He can reach, he can do, he can go, he can do, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. And I can pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He exhorts us to pray. On that cross, he is an example of prayer. Listen, he always went about doing good. But now his hands are nailed to a cross. His feet are nailed to a cross. He can't go anymore. But he can pray. When his disciples around the cross forsook him and fled, Jesus could not go after them. He couldn't say, oh no, Simon Peter. Oh, Oh no, Thomas. He could not go after them, but you know what he did? He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He often would speak with his commanding voice, the word of God. And now on the cross, his voice is limited to just seven statements. And the time's going to come when he's not able to speak anymore. Will you hear me this morning? My voice may not always be able to speak, but I can pray for you. And I can pray for you, and you may not hear what I have to say. My voice may not always be heard by you. You may sit here this morning while I'm preaching to you and say, nah, 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 nah. I'm not listening to anything you've got to say. I'm interested in video games. I'm interested in going to lunch today. I don't care anything you've got to say. But you know what I can do if you won't hear me preach to you? I've prayed for you. And I've prayed the one that will hear me. And when he hears me, he can cause you to hear. Hey, he caused me to hear when I wouldn't hear, amen. Woo-wee! And he gave me knowledge and understanding of the truths of God's precious word. May I just say, he is an example of prayer. You may say today, Preacher Darren, I'm old and I can't serve anymore. Preacher Darren, I'm laid up now, I'm injured, I'm hurt, and I can't serve anymore. Now, you may not be able to get out and do as you once did, but you can still pray. I think about the expectation of prayer. What do he say? First word, Father. Who's he calling on? His daddy. His father. Jesus told us in the word, if a son asks bread of his father, will he give him a stone? Do you think Jesus would ask for bread from his father and his father would give him a stone? He asked, Father, forgive them. You think God wouldn't do what the son asked his father to do? He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. There he is on the cross addressing man's greatest necessity. Aggress- addressing man's greatest ministry. I think he also addressed man's greatest responsibility. Now I want you to watch this very carefully because God just showed me. I want you to watch this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're talking about your responsibility. He did not mention, when you look at your Bible, he never mentioned who they are. Father, forgive them. Who is them? He never told us who they are. You know what else he didn't tell us? He never told us what they've done. 
He didn't say they've drunk alcohol, they've took drugs, they've murdered. He, He didn't say what they've done. He didn't tell who they are. He didn't say what they've done. But he emphasized what they know and what they don't know. For they know not what they do. You know what your greatest responsibility is? I'm going to challenge you right now. You know what your greatest responsibility is? Your greatest responsibility is to live up to the light that you've been given. Every Sunday we try to preach truth here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You watch online. You listen to other preachers. You hear great singers here at our church and other singers you listen to during the week. You have a responsibility for once you hear, you have knowledge and you're to live in the light of the knowledge that God gives you. Now I want you to think for a minute. Don't turn to this scripture, but listen to it. Amos 3.1. God said, hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, you only... Have I known of all the families of the earth? Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. He said, Israel, I don't know the rest of this world, but I know you. You have a responsibility. Israel, Israel had a special responsibility to tell the world about the love of God and the blessings thereof. And they knew it. And they rejected their responsibility. And I want to give you something this morning that God gave me. Life is filled with privileges, but they're balanced. Those privileges are balanced by responsibility. There is a difference between presumptuous sin and the ignorance of sin. When you know better, sinning against the light, against knowledge, sinning deliberately is dangerous. You have your Bible. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look in verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23. I hope they can put this on the screen so you can see this. I hope you can find it in your Bible. Mark these verses. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, What about that? There's a sin against the knowledge. Deliberate, presumptuous, willful sin against the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised, underline that word despised, despised Moses' law, died without mercy, under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. 
and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. Most, uh, uh, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. The man of God, Nathan, came and said, you are the one. You are guilty of this. And here's the thing. David knew better. He had knowledge of the truth and he did it anyway. He despised God's law. And what happened? Oh God, he said, forgive me. And God was merciful and forgave him. Oh, but preacher Darren, he just said there remaineth no more sacrifice. Listen, consequences never departed from his house. God said the sword will never depart from your house. The baby died. One son raped a half-sister and the half-brother killed that other half-brother. I could go on and on and on about the trouble that came into their family because they willfully sinned against the knowledge of God's precious word. Nathan said, Wherefore hast thou despised, 2 Samuel 12, 9, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? Now take Paul. Paul was a blasphemer, but this is what he said. He said, I was a blasphemer, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. You have the privilege, hear me, hear me well, and I'm done. You have the privilege to be called a child of God. You're the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You are his holy building. Come here, I want to ask you a question. Will you hear me? What sin are you committing that you know is an offense to God? He knows about it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But you know what you're doing. And you know it's wrong. And you know to get your hands off of it. You know to look away from it. You know not to listen. You know to get out of its presence. And you're continuing to linger in that very spot. Remember Lot's wife. Do not look back to the life that you once had. For God will turn you to a pillar of salt and render you useless. Bethel, I want this church. My heart's prayer, my desire is that this church is an oasis in the middle of a wilderness and that God would make us a, a, a soul-saving station. That God would have us to be a delivery section here in western North Carolina and that God would give people encouragement and hope and blessing. But if we want to play tiddlywinks and have power struggles against God for His glory, God said... I just assume spew you out of my mouth and turn you into a pillar of salt as listen to anything you have to say because I prayed for you that your sins would be forgiven and now you know and you continue in it with great privilege. Oh, y'all, we've had some of the greatest privilege. I'm telling you, you've got one of the greatest choirs at Bethel. God has assembled you, a team of young preachers all over this church. A lot of them today is gone. You know why? Because they're preaching. God's using them to be a blessing all over. And some of the ones that's here, just because they're here today, don't mean that they're not going to be out preaching next Sunday or they weren't gone last Sunday. God's using them. I miss them. I want them here. God's using them. People that are make up the body of believers here at Bethel. God's using them to be a blessing 
all over this area. But I'm telling you, God can shut that down if you decide you're going to be an offense to God. So here's my pledge. I'm challenging you. Will you live up to what you know? Will you live up to the privilege God's given you? Will you balance your responsibility based upon the privilege God's gave in your life? Well, preacher Darren, I just don't know. If you can't do anything, Jesus has proved this. You can pray. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cl- of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, he said, forgive them. That was good news for me because it meant I could come to Jesus and I, he would accept me. You stand to your feet. Seth, you come play. Maybe there's somebody. You need to come this altar and say, oh my, I've been challenged today. Oh my, I need to get in this altar. I'm not living up to the light that I've been shown. I, the responsibility, the, the privilege God's given me, my, my responsibility is waning. It is lacking. And Oh God, would you strengthen me and help me, God, to go forward in my life. Folks are coming. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your willingness. Maybe there's somebody here. you got somebody to pray for today. Would you bring that object to the altar today? Are you saved? Have you ever called on Jesus? Would you receive Him today into your heart? He wants to save you. He died to save you. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'll forgive them if they'll turn to me. Is there anybody today? Maybe you're in the altar already. You're still in the congregation. Preacher, I want to call on Jesus today. I want to be saved. Is there anybody? God's searching. God is searching. Father, this morning, Lord, on bended knee, we praise you for your son who was crucified on Calvary, shedding his lifeblood that we might be forgiven, that we might be saved. God did that we might have not just the need of forgiveness but that we might have the opportunity to pray and to be a blessing and an impact in the lives of others God seek your face and then God you've given us this responsibility of living up to the knowledge of truth that's been given to us and God there is where we fall so short in prayer and in responsibility forgive us God I pray Help us, Lord, I pray from this place to remember how Jesus gave his life on Calvary. Help us, God, not to sin against knowledge of truth. And for this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.